Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. We are in this series called The Great Adventure, and Liz and the kids and I went on an adventure recently. We went out to uh, Alaska for a, a, a few weeks ago for my nephew's wedding, and, and sometimes the adventure happens, though, not when you arrive, but when you're, you're trying to arrive. Specifically for us, it, it, one of our adventures happened in the Seattle airport. Our, our flight out of Charlotte flying to Seattle was delayed, which seems to be happening a lot these days. So we know, we knew making our connecting flight to Juneau, Alaska was going to be tough, but it appeared based on the airline app that we were going to arrive at 10.15 p.m. and catch a connecting flight at 10.50, which was going to be tight, but, but I was thinking very doable, especially since it, it looked like the gate we were arriving at and the gate we had to get to were pretty close to each other. Well, at some point during the flight, we discovered that they had changed our arrival gate to an entirely different terminal. And so uh, a, a terminal that was actually on the exact opposite side of the airport. Uh, okay, I was thinking still potentially doable. If we, we get in a little early and everything falls our way, but, but we arrive and it's about 1025 by the time we ha- um, try to make it to our gate. And we're in the back of the airplane, like way back. And the flight attendant gets on the intercom and she says, Uh, We have some people trying to make connections here, so if you would please let those people making connections come forward first, I know that they would appreciate it. Does anybody heed this advice? No, they do not. They do what people do on airplanes. They all stand up at once, even though the door isn't even open yet. Uh, You know, like individual people in general are really smart, but put us all in a group and we get really dumb. We're, we're watching the time speed by as we're waiting to deplane and it's 1028, it's 1030, it's 1035. By, uh, but, but now they're saying that our flight doesn't leave until 1052. And so I'm still thinking we might be able to pull this off. So we're studying the airport map though. And we realize that we're in terminal S and we need to get to terminal N But in order to do that, we have to go from terminal S to terminal A, and and then terminal A to terminal D, and then terminal D to terminal N. So basically, we have to take three trains in a row. So we go for it, though. We exit the airplane at exactly 1040 in a full-on sprint. And now as an aside, you know, like, like... Basically, we we had told everybody to pack light on this trip, no checked luggage. So we all had one backpack and one rolling carry-on. And so it's it's kind of like we're in a movie. We're in full-on sprint to train to the train that takes us to the A terminal. We we get down this long escalator and the train is right there. And so we hop on and two minutes later it drops us off at the A terminal where we immediately board a train that's waiting for the D terminal and it, like right there waiting for it. it's perfect. So far so good. It's like it's like 10:45. At this point, the train arrives at D. We see the train across the lobby, the next one loading people to go from D to N. 
So we sprint across and barely make it onto the train. It's like 1046, we gotta get on at 1052. We're all saying, we're gonna make it. It's 1047, the train arrives at the end terminal and we sprint up the longest escalator I've ever seen, get to the top, hang a left and run as fast as we can to our gate. Now, Christopher uh, is like Usain Bolt at this point. He gets ahead of us, He's, we're like, I'm like, go as fast as you can. You know, if one of us gets there, they'll hold it for all of us. And so he gets there and it's 1048. And I'm thinking, awesome, we are four minutes early. But then I see his face. And if you will notice, like the letters of the terminals that I just went through, S-A-D, like they spell sad, which is what his face was. Because the rest of us catch up and, and, and like look out to a jetway that was connected to nothing. The airplane had already left. They hadn't held it for us. Even though they knew we were coming, we've missed our connection. Sadness and anger ruled that evening. My friends, at least it did for me. But I bet, I know this actually, if you ask the kids what one of their favorite memories of our trip was, this would be one of them. And I also bet that nobody's ever made it across that airport in less than 10 minutes except for us. When you're on an adventure, you never know what might be required of you. Your, your faith is a great adventure. It's the most exciting adventure that you've ever been on. And Sometimes, most of the time actually, you, you don't know what's going to happen around the corner. You don't know how the story is going to end. You just have to, to choose, you just have a choice. Am I gonna go for it or am I gonna play it safe? And, and trust me, there are always things that will stop you from taking steps of faith. You probably all heard of, of Moses in the Bible and a lot of times Moses seems larger than life. He kind of seems like a superhero or some cartoon character that, that whoever he is, he's definitely not like us, but nothing could be further from the truth. Moses was invited to go on an adventure by God himself, but he had a lot of hesitation. We're gonna look at Exodus chapter three and four today in the Old Testament. And the first thing you need to know about Moses is that he has a long history coming into this story. Moses was a, was a Hebrew living in Egypt and he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrew men one day and he went into a rage and he killed the Egyptian. He, he realized what he had done and, and then he fled away from Egypt to live in a place called Midian. You, you, you may not have that kind of history that Moses had, right? But when you come to faith, you don't start with a blank slate. You bring your story, the good, the bad, the ugly with you. And it impacts how you approach life and how you approach God. And what I want to talk to you about are the things that keep you and me from taking a step, from taking a risk and joining God on the adventure of faith. It starts like this. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Now, in this story, I, I, I tend to see Moses less like a superhero, <clears throat> like Iron Man, you know, and more like a sort of a big doofy guy, like say, like Forrest Gump. Verse four, it says, when the, when, the Lord, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And so, so Moses does as he's told, he, he takes the sandals off and he's thinking, finally God has shown up, finally. 
and it goes on, it says, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. And so I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. And, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. And to all of that, Moses is thinking, yes, finally, God is coming down to rescue my people. He's going to put all the Egyptians like on blast and I'm going to get to watch it, to which then God replies, verse 10. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And I'm guessing Moses at that point paused and blinked and took a step back because that was not what he thought God was going to say next. So now go. Like, it's like, wait a second, God, me, go? That, that is not what I had in mind. And it sends Moses into a tailspin. But Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. One of the biggest things that stops us when it comes to stepping out in faith is this feeling, I'm not worthy. Who am I? Moses is asking the question we all ask, God, you're really asking me to do that? Why would you trust me? Like, I don't even trust me. You wanna know what God's reply to that is? And God said, I will be with you. And this is the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. You want to know what the answer to I'm not worthy is? It's not. Sure you are. You have everything you need right inside of you. No. The thing that overcomes our fears of not measuring up, of not being enough, of not having what it takes is the promise of the presence of God. When you say I'm not worthy, God says I will be with you. Is that enough for Moses? Well, not quite. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and, and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? In other words, Moses is saying what we often feel and we say to God or to ourselves or to others, uh, another thing that stops us from taking a risk, I don't know what to say. If I talk to that person about my faith, I, I don't know what to say. If, if I say yes to leading that group, I don't know what to say. If I, if I get baptized and somebody asks me about my faith, I don't know what I'll say. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And, and then God goes on and on and on, giving him all of these words that he wants Moses to say. What is God saying to him and, and to us in all of this when we say, I don't know what to say? God is saying, I will tell you what to say. I'll give you the words. It's not something you need to worry about. But, but Moses had, had more to say. Moses answered, well, well, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? So honest, right? Like Moses is giving all of us, all, all of his excuses to God. What, what if they don't believe me? What if they, they say that this conversation that we're having right now, what if they say it never happened? It's kind of unbelievable. 
He's already thinking ahead and he's playing out scenarios in his mind. And we do that. I, I know that I do that. I can play out scenarios of what might happen. What if this happens? And, and often the scenarios that are in my head end badly. Moses is saying what we feel. They won't believe me. And you would think God's getting impatient by this point with, with him, but he has another answer. Verse two, then the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? A staff. He replied, well, the Lord said, throw it down on the ground. And so Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And so Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This said the Lord is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your, your cloak. And so Moses puts his, puts his hand into his cloak. And when he, when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. And now put it back into your cloak, he said. And so Moses puts his hand back into his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. And then the Lord said, if they don't believe you then, if they don't pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second, but if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some of the water from the Nile, pour it on dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. In all of those things, God is saying, I will make them believe you. God's working. When, when you take a step of faith, when you take a risk, you don't, you don't know how it's going to turn out, do you? you? You can trust, though. That God is at work doing things you couldn't possibly do on your own to help you do what he is calling you to do. When you say, they won't believe me, God is saying, I will make them believe you. But Moses has more excuses, two more. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. In, in other words, Moses was saying, I can't speak very well. I have people who tell me sometimes, you know, I could never do what you do. Like I could never speak to people regularly. And I'm always like, why? All it takes is the ability to open your mouth and a willingness to potentially embarrass yourself on a weekly basis. But I have that fear too. I can't speak well. God, how could I possibly say the words that you want to say? It's ridiculous to assume, to assume that I could do that. Verse 11, the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and we'll teach you what to say. When we say, I can't speak well, God's answer is remember who created you. You would think that that would finally be enough for Moses here. But, but again, he's like so honest, so much like us that he gets to the bottom here and he says it out loud to God. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send somebody else. It's not even really an excuse anymore, is it? He's exhausted all the excuses. <clears throat> He's just saying now, I don't want to do it. Send somebody else. You ever gotten to that point where you have all the answers you need and you still don't want to go? There's an inner resistance that we have deep, deep down, and it can be destructive 
to our growth in our faith if we can't or we won't get past it. Moses says, I don't want to do it. The Bible says then, like, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And reading this, I'm like, well, you know, like finally, he's been really patient. But look at what God, even in his anger, does. And he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. When we say, I don't want to do it, God knows that underneath all the excuses is this fear that if we step out in faith, if we take a risk, we're going to be all alone. And so God says to Moses and to us, you won't be alone. You won't be alone. You know, where are you in all this? Because whenever I read this story, I usually identify with at least one of these excuses very, very closely. This isn't just about what God did with Moses. It's about what he wants to do and to say in and through you as you step into the great adventure of following Jesus with your life. When we say, I'm not worthy, God says, I will be with you. When we say, I don't know what to say. God says, I'll tell you what to say. When we say, they won't believe me. God says, I will make them believe you. When we say, I can't speak very well. God God says, remember who created you? And when we say, I don't want to do it, I just don't want to do it, God says, you won't be alone. Let's pray. God, what amazing promises you give us. And also the truth is that we have excuses when it comes to following you. And there's resistance that we have. And sometimes we just don't even want to do it. That's the truth. Would you help us like you did, Moses, break through and take a step anyway? Would you help us to trust you, that you're good, that you have our best interest in mind, that you want to do great things through us if we will step through our excuses into your presence along with you? Would you work and move in our lives, God, and give us faith? We pray this in the amazing name of Jesus, the author of our faith. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.